I think there's so much opportunity for people to build the life that they want through real estate. Now, there's a ton of different avenues you can go down, but, you know, and I speak to real estate investing and and being a real estate agent specifically, but there's so much opportunity there. There's a big time leverage piece in investing that I think women should really take advantage of, especially women who want to be available for their families, who want to make some real change, generational wealth changes. I think that's why I'm really passionate about helping women, but I do think women need extra support in this space than men do. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. We going for Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for being with me. As always, what I care about, uh, I mean, I benefit from the likes, shares, and subscribes. So if you if you feel so inclined, please do that because that does help me out. And I would love to hear some feedback from you on this podcast and how it's helpful for you. But what I really care about is that one person hears it that needs to hear it. So if you're someone that's, that's resonating with Stephanie's story and you think of another person that you think, man, Stephanie's really awesome. I think someone else should hear about this. Um, please just send it to that person. That's the only thing I ask because uh, if someone can get tactical, beneficial value that helps them get from point A to point B, I'm doing my job and it's worth this time investment in our energy. So um, thank you for joining me. Today I have Stephanie Lombardo on my podcast. I'm so excited for it. Stephanie is such a wonderful personality. We've gotten to know each other a little bit over the past few months um, and I, I'm just so excited for you to hear her story. Stephanie, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it today. Cool. So um, let's let's start here. I, I, you, I, we're going to dive a lot into what your main thing is, which is real estate investment and teaching real estate investment, right? But yep. the thing I want to start off with is 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 going into uh, a little bit of your background in horseback riding and, and being an Ironman. So tell me a little bit first about your horseback riding back when you started, and that was like, I want to do this. I want to be a horseback rider. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Canada, just outside of Toronto, and um, my parents put me in all, in all sorts of different sports, tried everything, learned how to ski when I was like three, um, swim team, all of that. And when I was, I think around seven, I found horses and I was like, that was it for me. Um, I mean, so who, grew up who riding. doesn't love horses? Let's be real. Let's be real. This is true. This is true. But I mean, I was like the kid with like the horse posters and like me oh, and nice. the girl in the neighborhood <laughs> rode our bikes around. So, nice. uh, yeah, uh, started, I guess that's, was probably my first obsession, um, was with horses. So grew up riding, um, and kept with that all the way through into my, my early twenties. So awesome. And what, what made it stop? Why did, were you like, were you wanting to do a career route of going horseback riding or were you like, was that, was that the dream or were you just, that was just something you did as a teenager? Yeah, I, um, in my late teens, I guess early twenties, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I wanted to make a career out of it. And I wanted to actually wanted to leave home. I, I wanted to go to England and ride steeplechase horses, but I ended up finding South Carolina, um, which was totally different. And uh, came down here to pursue that as a career, uh, rode horses, uh, client horses and trained horses for a few years. And uh, just, I started to suffer from some injuries. So I ended up having to move out of that and 
Um, I haven't ridden a horse in a long time, actually, but um, oh. so yeah, I had to quit quit that. Went back home and just sort of realized it wasn't for me. I didn't have quite the skill maybe that I needed to make a career, and uh, I just wanted something a little bit different than you know just that hard work grit at the barn. So. I went back home and went back to school. So going back to school, you you dove into business school. Why business school? Um, I guess that's sort of the the normal path, I suppose. Um, I excelled in business in high school uh, and accounting specifically I really liked. So I decided to to pursue accounting. I would have made a terrible accountant, um, though I did really (laughs) well in school. Yeah, I I never would have made it as an accountant, uh, but certainly really good for what I do. It's good skills to have as a business owner as well. Um, And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed studying it, but um, and then just sort of fell into real estate after I graduated from college. So tell me about that. So was real estate something that you always were like, I, I'm interested in it, I know about it. I don't know if your family did real estate. Was it like, I, did you dive in as like a, an administrator? Like how did, you, how did you get started? How did that become like, this is what I'm gonna do for business? Yeah, I, so I had finished school. I um, you know, had my degree in accounting and uh, started doing some bookkeeping for a, a guy I knew in town, he owned a construction company and his dad was a real estate investor. So I got hooked up with him doing the books and started uh, getting more involved in his real estate business and from an administrative standpoint. So I learned a ton um, and all of those skills and experience I still use today, but learned a ton. And then that evolved into some more project management and getting a bit more involved in uh, acquisitions, renovations, dispositions of the company. So I sort of fell into it. And I guess I have the accounting route to thank for that. Um but that's what started my investing career. My parents, my mom, she had a real estate license for a little bit when she was, I think she, before she had me and my husband's family has some real estate too, but I feel like I sort of picked that path on my own. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so I, I'm, you fell into it, which is like, what a, what a industry to fall into, right? It's like, it's like just just so happens to be the industry where the majority of millionaires, I think 100% of millionaires are millionaires because of real estate. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Very fortunate. I was really fortunate. Yeah. So what what made you feel the confidence to go off on your own? So like I think because there's a big difference that a lot of people make where it's like if you find something and you're like, I'm good at this, I'm good at the project management, I'm learning stuff, I'm doing stuff. What made you think, okay, I actually want to transition to to doing my own thing, becoming a real estate agent myself? Well, I think it was, you know, I had a a, sort of a major point in my life before I went back to school where I knew that I didn't want to just trade my time for money. Like I grew up from a family where we worked really hard and I still work really hard. I mean, my dad, you know, he put that work ethic in me and, um, but I, I didn't want to end up just working until I was 60, 70 years old and, Um, so real estate, I knew, now I didn't know a lot about it. I mean, I wasn't a real estate junkie before, you know, I fell into it, but, um, as I saw this man and saw the opportunities that were available and I mean, there's houses everywhere. That was the coolest thing, right? Like there's always houses to be bought and sold and renovated. And, uh, so I just saw the opportunity and I knew I wanted something different. I enjoyed it. Um, there's always something different going on in real estate. There's tons of different paths you can go down, whether as an investor or an agent or what have you. So um, that kept me interested. I do get bored Mm -hmm. kind of easy. So I think that's why I leaned into it. 
uh, but mostly it was the opportunity, you know, the opportunity for growth and sort of that limitless, the, the limitless wealth and, um, and possibilities for me. Awesome. I love that. So, so when, uh, when you did make that jump, how, like, did you, how, how much did you enjoy the agent process, like being an agent? Because I've heard like some people love it. Some people don't love it. Some people really excel at it. Some people don't. I think it's like, it can tend to be depending on the year, there's an influx of agents and it's really competitive and it's really hard to stand out and it's really hard to like be the best at it. So how, like you, you were the top performer for the company that you're working with in the area that you're working at. So like, how, how did you find a way to like learn it quickly grow at it and rapidly like get to where you're at now? So again, I started in the investing space and I did not want to get my real estate license. I did not want to be the woman driving somebody around in her car and opening doors. Like that wasn't what aligned with me, but there was a, a top producer in my market who's a friend of mine who, you know, she's, she showed me her, her commission check and told me I, I needed to get my real estate license. She knew I'd be good at it, I guess. Um, and I did that too, to sort of support my investing. I wanted control of the, of the marketing and the sales process on my own flips. So I thought, okay, whatever, I'll get my real estate license. Um, and I just saw the opportunity. Now I got my license at a pretty good time. I got licensed in 2019. So, um, it was a really good time to have your real estate license, but kind of like I do with everything I went in like head first, consumed a ton of information, um, and just really put in the work. I mean, I worked hard. I was the first one at the office, um, often last to leave. I worked seven days a week, but I was, um, you know, there, there was a lot of opportunity to make some money and give my family some further opportunities there. So I actually transitioned out of investing for a little bit, just focusing on that real estate career. Um, I think the trouble for people getting into it is the barrier for entry is super low. Like you mm-hmm. just do a really easy course. It's not expensive online. So that's why we have so many real estate agents in the U S. Um, and I think they think it's going to be the career itself is going to be as easy as it was to get the license. And that's not the case. I mean, to be good at anything, you have to work really hard. What is uh, what's the biggest mistake you see real estate agents make right now? I think it's assuming that it's it's easy. I think there's certainly a lack of follow-up and organization. And I think most real estate agents, when they start, they don't approach it as a business. I think that's their biggest downfall. You know, they don't have any structure in their time. They don't have structure in their activities. Um, they get the license and they just think people are going to pick up the phone and call them. So, um, you know, they're they're not treating it as a business and therefore they're not getting the results that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so in that, it's like, do you think, do you think that as the real estate market, cause it's like, I wouldn't say tumultuous right now, but it's like, depending on the area, there's, there's bad places, there's good places there's, you know, like, and it's just tough to find the right deals. Like deal finding is a skill set. Do you, uh, do you think that you're going to see a lot of people bow out of becoming real estate agents? Like they're going to see a lot of people quit and try to do something else. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We actually, I'm on the the board here um, in my oh, my local MLS and my association of realtors, and uh, we haven't seen as big of a decline as we thought we would with with people um, leaving the industry. There are people actually, I think we're still growing in membership, 
Um, but hmm. I think that they're going to find that, it, like like I just said, they don't have the business and the systems in place, so they're not going to be as successful. They may get that license because the barrier to entry is low, um, but they're not going to see the results. There are a lot of part-time real estate agents, and I think that's why the number is so high. Um, yeah. But because it's difficult, I mean, it's harder to, you know, the, there's still really low inventory. We were experiencing that. That's the only reason that property values continued to increase and the housing market didn't crash was because the property, there, there wasn't enough inventory out there to buy. And now we're in the same situation because people don't want to let go of those properties. So, but because the interest rates have gone up, the buyers are a little bit more selective. So the demand slowed, but the supply is still really low. So it's, it is mm. tough. Um, we were finding we'd have like a 50% fallout on most of our transactions, meaning we would work with a client, they would get it under contract, and typically they would terminate at least once before we do it again. So we're doing double the work. Man. Yes, yeah, so that can be super demotivating, especially when you're commission-based, right? For sure. Yep. Um, I'm, so so I, I love the real estate market. Don't own property. Would love to own property. Uh, I, I hear all these stories because I think like the biggest thing for someone that doesn't own anything that knows about it, everybody's like, real estate's awesome. You should invest in real estate. Have assets. You know, do all this, all this cool stuff. It's a great thing to do to wealth build. But uh, I think I also hear the stories of like everyone is like Ryan Pineda maxed out like six credit cards in order to get his first flip, right? And like I just hear stories of these crazy things. And even he was like, don't do this. It wasn't a good idea. I don't recommend it for people, but that's what I did and it worked for me. I maxed out my credit cards and I maxed out my wife's credit cards and we were able to flip a house and make profit in three months or something like that. And that just sounds not only super stressful, but just extremely unwise. For someone like me that's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not at a place where I'm an investor because I don't have that level of capital. Is real estate investment even realistic? Or is it the type of thing where you have to partner with someone that has a ton of capital? So I think there's a, a whole bunch of different ways that you can put a deal together and as well as build a portfolio or build your career in real estate investing. And it just depends on your own unique situation. So if there is a means like, so when I got into real estate, I was flipping properties. And when you're flipping properties, you're buying yourself a job. It is very much an active uh, it's yeah. an active role. It's an active job. So, you know, Ryan or somebody like when I started, I didn't have any money. Now I had a partner, but we still sort of had to bootstrap it. Um, yeah. You know, but he was he was figuring out you, you think about somebody who's starting a small business. That's what he was doing. So somebody else going out and starting a small business, you know, you may need to get resourceful in how you can pull all that stuff together. Um, yeah. If you're looking to build wealth there are tons of different strategies that you can use, um, like the Burr method, um, you know, leveraging partnerships, so on and so forth, where you can build those rental portfolios. But if you have a source of income, like when we were building our rental portfolio, my husband and I both worked full time. I was working in the real estate space, so it was a little easier because um, my full time job was my investing job and my husband worked a, a different job. So we used different strategies to raise money, but we also didn't rely on that at that time, you know, while we were building that wealth. And I think that's the difference. So 
if you have a job, if your goal is financial freedom and to build this big rental portfolio and to have 100 units or whatever, that's great. But look at your unique situation, what you can handle, what your risk aversion is, what your level of stress, like how much stress you can tolerate. I can handle a lot of stress. So I've picked some maybe less desirable paths. Um, I mean, certainly my husband, I've, I've pushed him um, and usually take the brunt of, of most of that. But if that's not you, that's okay. Like, let's just figure out the right strategy for you. But it is attainable. You just have to, you just have to look at the cards that you have and then play them, play them right. So it takes a bit of thought and, and strategy there. Yeah. So, so let's, let's get down to metrics. What, uh, tell me about, tell me about your first flip. What was that like? Uh, and how much did it cost? How much did you make? Was it a good deal? Was it a bad deal? Somebody asked me this the other day. We didn't ever actually cover the question, and I never went back and looked. But um, I do remember my first slip. I remember the address. Um, I think we bought it. This is probably not a great question because I don't remember. It was, I think, 185000 I think we put 45000 in it, and we sold it for two seventy-five. dollars um, We nice. had a private, private lender on it. We had... Um, some private money and a hard money lender on it. And we sold it, yeah, I think we sold it for 275, 285. And this was like seven or eight years ago now. And one just listed on the same street for like 550 in my market. So that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wait, wait. So so on that, right? Like that's that's the big gripe. I, I agree. Cause like people that are real estate investors, they usually have a course on flipping. What what is the approach difference between flipping and actually investing? And which one do you think is better? I think you should do both if you have the ability, if that's what you want to do. Now, if you, like you, Grant, probably don't have the desire to go and be a, a real estate professional, then maybe you build wealth through, um, just through the long-term or long-term route, um, whether you're investing money or buying a portfolio. And then flipping is very much active and I really don't think I felt like a real estate investor, though that's technically what I was, or a real estate professional, until I started to build that rental portfolio. Um, so again, I was buying a job. I don't think I was I was making money. I mean, that was my earned income. Um, and then it wasn't until my husband and I, after my 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 current husband, um, until we got uh, started on uh, real estate investing and buying rental properties. Uh, that I felt like an investor. Hmm. So wait, um, on that, it's like, yeah, how many, can you tell me how many properties you've bought in the past few years? Just for my rentals or in total? Yeah, just, just for your rentals, We've not for flipping. We've built a portfolio of about 24 units in just over three years. That is awesome. And And was that like, did you do like a ton at a specific time? Like, how did you stack that? Did you start with like one like did you like how did you approach buying each one because i feel like 20 in three years buying 24 sounds so yeah. aggressive to me so we used my husband already had a rental property with his mom so he came in he had some investing his family still owns rental properties in argentina and i found the burr strategy um that had been made popular by david green of bigger pockets in recent years and i sat down and i told my husband like this is what we were going to do to retire. You know, he's self-employed, I'm self-employed. And um, 
we started, he had a primary residence and he was going to rent that out. And he's like, I'm never selling this thing. I'm keeping this thing forever. Like it's such a good investment. And I'm like, but here's what we can do if we sell it. So we sold it and we took the equity that he had in his house and, um, we bought our first Burr property. So we buy it, we renovate it, we rent it and we refinance it. So we essentially were able to recycle that original investment, right? So we bought it, we renovated it, and we were able to take it out time over time over time. But because I had skills in flipping, so I I was good at finding and acquiring distressed properties, and I had learned how to raise capital, we now use private money. And that's what's been allowed, that's what's allowed us to scale. Because if we took the first nest egg, now you can use that money over and over and over again. But you can only use it when it's available. But now if I have private money, I can buy as many properties as I want, and I can continue to recycle that money. Um, so that's how we were able to scale using and, and then buying some smaller multifamily where we might buy two, three or four units at a time helps. So that sounds super stressful in the sense of like managing it. Do you guys manage the property yourself? Do you, do you have a good relationship with the property manager? Like, how do you, how do you go about that? Like saying like, okay, I don't want to be in, because <laughs> I feel like that's a different job that people buy. It's just like, they buy the property and then they suddenly they have yes. to manage the property. Um, I would suggest too when you're first starting is to decide. I think you can manage your first couple of properties by yourself. I, I think it's a good experience, but you don't have to. I think you need to make sure you're analyzing that into your numbers. We chose to manage them ourselves. Um, one, because I was already in the industry. So it was already like flexible in my day job. Um, I was building out a small team. My, my real estate company. So I eventually brought on a property manager sort of in-house to manage my stuff. Um, we eventually left, I recently left Keller Williams and opened my own firm because they weren't able to support property management. So from there, we built out a property management sort of division in our, in our company. Now it's still very small. My portfolio is the majority of our clients. Um, but I have leveraged some relationships within my team to do that. Um, and my husband recently left his job and has been really invested in our portfolio and maximizing it. It's really hard. Like I have no desire personally to be a property manager. Um, it, it, it takes a special person for sure. So, yeah. Well, so, so uh, let me ask about that. Like, uh, do you have like a metric or a target of like how many doors you want to have? Like you said, you have 24 right now. Are you guys looking to expand? Are you guys just kind of like stabilizing right now? Yeah, we're, we are always looking to expand. My goals always grow. I think it started with 10 and then it was like a hundred. Um, our original goal was 30 doors in 10 years and it wasn't our wedding night, but it was like the night after we sat down and went through a spreadsheet and we discussed specifically about what we wanted our life to look like, like how much we wanted our house, like how much our house cost, what our mortgage payment was, what cars we drove, how many kids we had, all of those things. We made a, a pretty long list and, and we've we have most of those. We only have one kid, but that's not always our choice. Um, but we've accomplished most of those goals through real estate. Um, but we figured out what that number was, and then we figured out how many houses we needed to get there. And we were going to go a little slower, and we were going to buy a couple a year um, until we hit the 30 over 10 years, so three a year, using the birth strategy. At the time, the interest rates were really low. So we put 10-year mortgages on everything, and we wanted them to be paid down. We were making extra principal payments because we didn't want to live off that cash flow. Um, our 
strategy has changed slightly now. Um, we are looking a little bit more into cash flow as we do intend to keep most of our properties financed. But uh, so 30, we're still hitting 30. We'll hit there in the next couple of months. We've got a few going under contract and uh, under renovation now, but probably 100. That's my goal now. That is awesome. That is awesome. 100. So you said 100 in, is it 110 years? How many years like how will many it take years? me to get to 100? Yeah. Like, like you said you want to have that be the goal. Like when, do you have a timeline for how fast you want to get there? I focus. We've mostly done single family or small multifamily. And I would like to start um, getting into some bigger multifamily projects. So I, I'm going to have to spend some time and learn and, and work under someone. But that would get us there quite a bit faster. Like I was looking at a deal uh, this week on a 28 unit. So that would help us. Oh man. We'll see. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So wait, so when when uh I I'm guessing like a lot of people that I talk to they preach like the passive income side of real estate investment because it says like yes, you know, it's a it's an asset to avoid for not uh, to like to to you know, get the tax benefits from it. There's there's so many different wealth building aspects. Um but they talk about passive income because there's a point when you actually get you know, like you have you have a rental property, you have people renting it, and it might be two hundred bucks a month. But that kind of two hundred bucks a month stacks on top of each other, where essentially your portfolio is more than paying for itself. Um, I'm guessing, based on what you've said in terms of refinancing, that you've refinanced and have new mortgages, so it's it, you have access to higher levels of capital. But it's it's I, I'm guessing there's like higher levels of leverage as well. I'm just curious, like, can you just educate me? Is passive income on that level possible with real estate investment? Like how many doors do you think it would take for someone to like comfortably live a life if they said, I just want to stop. I just want to stop. I don't, I don't want to go anymore. I just want to stop and have passive income and have my rental portfolio pay for my I bills. I think that's going to be super specific to the person because if you want to have a really luxurious lifestyle, um, you may need more doors. But... If you live a modest lifestyle, like I had a friend of mine, um, she, they own rental properties. They have a handful of them. I think one's paid off and it like covers their mortgage. And that's the level of comfort that they're at. Our mortgage is paid for. It's making us money. It's appreciating. So our net worth is increasing. And, and I'm happy with that. And I'm like, what do you mean you're happy with that? Like, why don't you go and buy 10 more? But that doesn't work for her. So like for us, you know, we still work and are very, you know, actively earning income. And so we're going to have to just continue to grow that portfolio. The thing that, and I forget this quite often, is not even what the work's doing in the cash flow perspective, but what it's doing in your net worth. Um, you know, every month as those properties are being paid down, like our net worth is increasing, you know. The, the principal pay down is a huge aspect to look at as well. And we, don't, we haven't refied out of most of our mortgages. We've decided to keep those 10 years, even though the cash flow is really small. Um, but I think it's looking at all of it and looking at what your goals are. Is it, is it 100% passive? I don't think it is until either you 100% turn it over to a property manager or you have a big enough portfolio that it's sort of a division within your, your empire. Mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. So yeah, so so you're when you communicate, you communicate based on the off of empire. Was there someone like like I mean, you, you your course is yeah. called Flipping Empire. Uh, I'm I'm curious, like what uh, you're competitive naturally. Um, it sounds like in a lot of different things you've been competitive. You you were competitive with Ironman and being a triathlete, right? Like you you were competitive. And I'm sure the real estate, as a real estate agent, beating everybody else to deals, you're saying you're the first one there, you're the last to leave, you work yeah. seven days, you're just a grinder. Was Is there someone else that you're looking at in the real estate space and you're like, man, I, they set the standard for me and I'm realizing I want to beat them. Like not beat them in a negative sense, but like they showed me it's possible and now I'm realizing that I want to have my own empire that I can scale and, and potentially outgrow everybody else. I don't know that it's a, it's one person per se, you know, there's some, you know, like, you know, um, Brandon Turner, of course he's, I've followed him a long time. So the level yeah. that he's gotten to and the, and the real change that he's making in the world outside of real estate is super inspiring. Um, but it yeah. was really a collection of stories yeah. and people that I was following to realize that it is possible for me. And I think it's hard when you're sitting on social media and you're looking at somebody like Brandon or Ryan or Sam or whomever, and they have these massive portfolios and they're talking about having $25 million worth of debt. And, and I'm okay with that, you know, like I can handle that, but, but that's not realistic for you when you're first starting. So for me, when I started, it was looking at that yeah. person who had like five rentals or, or 10 rentals to get there. And, you know, and I'm, I'm watching people with bigger portfolios and understanding that that's the real wealth that I want to build. Um, and I'm not going to do that by buying one single family at a time. So that's, that's why I'm moving in a direction of buying bigger portfolios at one time. But I think you just have to look, don't look so far ahead because can almost just psych yourself out a little bit. Mm, I like that. Well, so so another question I want to ask is like I, I, I consume a lot of real estate content. Um, part of it's just because a lot of the people I'm friends with, I work with, like real estate content is a it's a big subject, and there's a lot of prominent people, and usually they have big personalities mm-hmm. and big visions, and they do really cool things. Um, and so the thing I've noticed though is that yeah. it's mostly guys. It's mostly men that are talking about it, teaching it, doing it. Why do you think that is? And, and, and why do you think that more women, I guess, let me start there. Why do you think it is that it's mostly guys right now that are talking about it? I think because I think finance and investing in, in general has been a bit more of a men's club just for, you know, historically speaking. So I think it's been harder for women to get in. I think it does take a certain level of confidence and self-awareness in order to, to do the work and take those risks to move forward. And I often find even women who are investing, if they do have a partner, they typically have to have a lot of buy-in from, from their male partner in order to pursue it versus the other way around. I don't know if it's quite the same. So I I think it's a bit of a historical thing. I think when, I think just you have to work a little bit harder as a woman to prove yourself. And so, you know, the journey is a little bit tougher and maybe that's kept a few people out. Do you think that, uh, like, uh, your course is uh, primarily designed, like, initially was designed to help women transition from agent to investor. So why do you think more women should be breaking into this? There's the obvious answer, but tell me why you think, like, talk to your ideal client. Like, why why should someone who's thinking, I want to do it, actually take that I first think, step? First of all, I think women 
in general, be more successful than than a lot of men out there. I think we've got some some unique skills as women, um, but I'm a little bit biased there. I see for what I agree. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, when I grew up, my mom stayed at home with me and you know, there was a certain level, there was a lot of financial sort of turmoil as a, as a young kid. And I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want to be dependent on someone. Now I fell into real estate, but I did see the opportunity that was there for me to change, change the whole conversation, change my whole upbringing. And I didn't want to be limited and I didn't want my daughter to be limited um, by anything. So real estate investing for me was that path. And I think, I think there's so much opportunity for people to build the life that they want through real estate. Now there's a ton of different avenues you can go down, but you know, and I speak to real estate investing and, and being a real estate agent specifically, but there's so much opportunity there and there's a big time leverage piece in investing that I think women should really take advantage of. Um, especially women who want to be available for their families, who want to make some real change, generational wealth changes in their families. Um, so I, I think that's why I'm really passionate about helping women. But I do think women need extra support in this space than men do. So that's why I've created it specifically for women um, to be able to support each other. It's pretty lonely out there. And I don't know if it's lonely for men, but as a female investor and a flipper, uh, I'm kind of off doing my own thing in a male-dominated space, both with investors and contractors. Yeah, yeah. So in that, like, what, like, talk to the type. Like, what does it take as a person? Because there's there's confidence as a person that's required to do anything entrepreneurial like this, or do anything from a real estate perspective, even especially just like invest. Like, there's small business confidence. There's investment confidence, and it sounds like you're saying there's an additional layer of like a female doing these things requires a, additional work because there's additional things to overcome. But you're also saying just like, uh, like because like what kind of personality is required? What kind of personality is like would excel in this? Because I think I know a, a bunch of badass women that are following me that are probably going to listen to this. And I'm like, I, I normally have to kind of encourage them and say, Hey, just, you know, you probably can do whatever you want to do. Like I, I have one, I have one friend in particular. She's a lawyer. And then she's just like, every, everything she's done, she's just absolutely crushed. She's at the top of her field. And I'm like, how dare you not think bigger? That's like the thing that goes in the back of my mind. So talk to me about, talk to, talk to those people. Like what is, what's the personality traits of someone that would really so excel with your course? For me specifically and the women I'm talking to, um, I think it's, it's the woman that knows, like when you come into my space, you already know a little bit about real estate investing. You already know like in your gut that you want to make these changes in your life, right? And and usually it's not that I want to have a fat bank account or whatever. And I mean, everybody wants a fat bank account, but most of them are looking for freedom of time, freedom yeah. of choice, wealth, cha making generational changes for their kids, paying for college. Like, so it's not just a money you know, it's not just money, right? It's a whole identity shift. And they know that they want that. And they see the people with the 100, 100 units or whatever. But there's like that decision point that they need to cross over. And, and I think that's really where I come in to say, yes, you can do it. Yeah, it's okay. Like, just kind of take the leap. 
And I think people want that courage and the confidence, not courage, they want the confidence first, right? They, they want to feel super empowered and go and I'm going to dominate this. And, and you can feel that sort of externally, but internally, you're still working on that courage piece. So I think that's where they're at that decision point. And until they take action and make a commitment and then show up as that person, I think that's the people who I'm going to work the best with. Um, and I think that's the people who are really going to get something done. And it's scary. I mean, you don't know. And and with real estate, too, you're not building widgets. Like every deal and every transaction is different. So there's a little bit of courage regardless of what deal you go in. But you're not going to get the confidence until you have some courage. And you're not going to get that courage until you take some action. So it's like that jumping off point. The jumping off point saying, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do hard things. And then you're going to prove it to yourself as you go through the program. I love that. I love that. And then I'm guessing, I'm hoping that there's some stuff that's tactical in there that's actually going to give them the information. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, to, right? the, the transformational piece, I mean, that's really, I mean, I'm here to support you through that, but that's really your work to do. Um, and then it's all tactical stuff. I mean, I have almost 10 years of experience and a plenty of mistakes that I've gone through and I've figured out how, how to make it easy for me and um, how to flip properties and build that portfolio at the same time. That's That's what I do. So that's um, what we teach, and you don't have to do both, but the same skills you use to flip houses are the same skills you're going to use to um, to build that rental portfolio. So, so you'll learn both and can go down both paths if that's what you choose. Yeah, talk to me about the impact of community. So, like you're talking about, there's like an isolating aspect of what you're feeling. What's the benefit of community? Are you part of them? Do you feel like you're like are you are you, did you make this because you wanted to fill that yes, gap? Yes, I. One, it's one thing to just deliver information. Like my information is not original. Like none of the concepts I do, Stephanie did not create those. So you can go on YouTube and you can watch all of that. However, that support, the community, the collaboration that happens because it's such a long process. Again, it's not like you're going and making a template or a website um, that is like a one-off thing you know, you're building an entire business. So I think it's important to have that, that level of community um, and support. And here are other people who are just ahead of you and then help people who are just behind you. I mean, again, we're not, we're not here to teach you how to buy 100 rental units in one go. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about buying one property moving forward. So um, I think that's really what builds the confidence real estate in general. And I think any successful business, you need to have a, an aspect of networking involved. You know, you and I are in a, a common coaching program as well. And the community is what sets that apart more than anything else. Yeah, because I mean, information's yeah. free, right? Um, and I'm sure like majority of the majority of the information that we'd probably benefit from could be in a book, but a book isn't going to hold you accountable. Exactly. And a book isn't going to yeah, give you exactly. support. Um, but I do think that there's like, there's probably like, unique tactics that are relevant for each field and each person. What, like, how, yeah, I, I want to ask, I, I want to ask two lanes of questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question. I want to okay. first focus on this coaching element, right? Like, um, what's been, what's been the, the biggest win that you've felt so far? in terms of like when you've helped people, mentored people, even for free, even outside of this, this program, when you've given back to, because of the people that have helped you, like how has that made you feel? Um, it's been, 
it's been amazing, actually. And I started this because I didn't just want to flip houses and make money or just do the transactional piece. Um, I had a lot of people asking me questions about how to get involved. And um, the women that I've helped even in this program has been really cool. Like one, you know, she came back and she said, she was like, look at all this hard stuff I did. I did all of these hard things. You know, it's increased her confidence. She's moving forward. And it's not easy. She's had to put in a lot of work herself. Um, but seeing somebody who's had, you know, most people don't just, like, fall out of bed and decide they want to be a real estate investor and, like, go down that path. And there, I'm sure there are people out there. But they've taken a lot of time and thought um, around it. So to be able to be a part of that transition has been really cool. Um, you know, one woman, she sent me a message and she just, you know, she closed like $90,000 last week, um, through her investments. And she was like, what a relief that is for me and my family. And I was able to enjoy time with my son. Like, those are things that, I mean, like that's cool stuff, you know? So to be a part of that. So and yeah. they've done it. I mean, they've they put the work in themselves. But. You know, and, uh, no, but still, I think what's cool is like, uh, I think you're affirming it, which is which is, uh, it's a wealth is a path to make a difference that's bigger, right? And so, like, doing that one to one is really cool. And then as you give more free content and provide more people the value, yeah. that's even cooler, right? And then like, and then eventually you're able to do things like I. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Turner. I love, I love Brandon. I love, I love what he and Alex are doing mm -hmm. with, uh, with. Yeah. I think it's called Better Life. Um, and I, I just, and like, the coolest part that I've heard from so many different real estate investors is that those things become possible because big money solves yeah. big problems. And so, that doesn't mean that you can't have an impact in a communal sense, in a small sense, even a one-to-one -one sense of like. I've learned this and let me take on one person and, and mentor them to get them to the next level. That's possible and that's awesome. But, but what Stephanie, you've been able to accomplish is that you're seeing like, okay, I can do this bigger. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm so, I'm so excited to see like what happens when you have a hundred doors and what you're able to do, what your program is able to do and how many people you're able to help when you achieve more things, like when you get to like yeah. six steps later <laughs> and then you're able to help people from all the way from point zero to I know how to get you that's from right. zero to a hundred doors. That's crazy. And, and that's like, I think that's like life changing in terms of impact. Um, how big is your vision? Like if you could grow this community or, or do you want to keep it a small community? Do you want it to be a, a larger group? Do you like, what, what would you, what would you envision for how you want to help people with it? So my vision grows all the time. Um, I mean, every day when I think about it, it gets bigger and bigger. It's like a horizon, right? Like you're never truly going to truly gonna hit it. Um, you know, currently I, I'm really working on um, building some good foundations with the, with the women that we're working with currently and coming into the program. I envision some, some later masterminds because when I look at my business and I look at the evolution of the company and what we're able to do, it has to be around the evolution of who we're working with. So when you're starting, you need the foundations piece. It's a little bit more tactical. You have the community and the coaching, and then it's going to evolve up to masterminds. Um, it's going to evolve into retreats. It's going to evolve into funds. Um, so I think for Flip an Empire, I think that's the growth and, and the path that I'm going to work towards. And then me personally is just continuing to, to share and, and give value. When I first started this journey and I've been on a journey of like personal, 
you know, personal development and I've been through several different transformations, but I had to listen to other people who had been there before to show me like, you can do it too. And so sharing my story and even sitting here and talking with you, it, it, you know, isn't, it's something that's pushing me. And so I'm kind of leaning into that right now and, and we'll continue to, to share and hopefully bring value to other people and let them know. Wait, Uh-oh. okay, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call crap on that. So you're saying, it sounds like I'm, I'm hearing some lack of confidence there. You're literally an Iron Man, which, so like, like you're, you've accomplished, <laughs> and wait, like you're an Ironman. When did you complete um, 2019, that? I did a full Ironman in 2019. I've done one. Okay. So you completed it right before you had, you had your first, your first kid, which is like, that is unbelievable. That's like, that's like crazy. I think the amount of people that actually accomplish that, the percentages, right? Insanely tiny. And then on top of that, the amount of people that have accomplished what you've done, like most people, they get to a place where they have 24 doors and they're like, I've, I've achieved it right. They're like 65 years old and they say, yep, this is it. This is my life. I'm fine. And you're saying, nope, I kind of want a hundred doors. I want to impact more people. I want to get more things like how I can hear that. I can hear a lack of confidence in your tone because you're saying like, this is new for you doing podcasting is new talking Mm -hmm. about it, be more outspoken about it. Why, why do you feel so much confidence in what you've accomplished and the, like you've like I, I'm sure that when you're in your zone and your zone of genius and you're talking about real estate and you're in you're you're doing your research doing the transaction you're like yep I got this I'm a badass same same as when you accomplished the, the the Ironman triathlon it's like I I'm able to do this I've trained for this I've tried it what about what about communication uh and doing content is different because uh, I've you're not you're not alone in it where I've interacted with so many people that don't feel confident in the things that they've done that really kick ass and that everyone else is like in awe of and just talking about it and being like, yeah, I accomplished this. I did, I did that Tish, right? Like sometimes people get scared of it. So, so why, like, do you feel like you're growing more confident in it? Are you like, you're saying this is not in your comfort zone. Like, why is that? Um, Yes. I do feel like I'm growing more confident in it. And to be honest with you, sometimes I think to myself, you know, you have a bit of imposter syndrome. And I think that comes from, well, I don't know if it ever goes away, but, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, this is your job. This is what you do every day. Like, you know a lot of stuff. So I have to have sometimes a bit of a self-talk. But I think a lot of what I've accomplished (laughs) and done has been for me, right? Like, I did the Ironman for me to prove to myself something. And not that I'm yeah. here to prove anything to anybody else by any means, but when you're you're just sort of exposing yourself a little bit more, and I think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But I don't think you know they say you're not growing, you're not changing if it's you know if you're not uncomfortable. So I'm kind of leaning into that, and that's what I had to do through my personal development stuff, you know. And with the Ironman, it was as much of a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge. I mean, it's a really long commitment. Um, it really takes priority in what you're yeah. doing. But man, it wasn't even my full Ironman. It was my ha- first half Ironman. When I showed up, I was like, look at the shit that I'm doing. Because I didn't think I could do it when I started. <laughs> you know? So- yeah. Well, c- just tell me, do you have, is your fa- does your family gas you up? Like, do you have friends that are like, Damn, Stephanie, you're 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 a badass. Like, how many do you have people in your corner that are like, 
like sure. pro staff. I do. Staff I have very good cheerleaders. My husband is my number one cheerleader. And when he started, he was um, he played tennis. He played some professional tennis as well. So he's an amazing athlete. And when he met me, I was training for my first half Ironman, and he was like, "This girl's insane." And then he joined in the the Ironman um, the Ironman world, and so he just finished the World Championship. So in um, Nice, France, yeah. So my husband is yes. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you guys did that. So yeah, that was course. really that, that cool. checks out. That checks out. Just because doing it, doing an iron, doing doing an Ironman is like, who cares about that? Exactly. You have to go to the World Championships of it. That's just, you exactly. know, you have to do it. You have to do it in the biggest. And stage. you know, That's I fun. did a half Ironman, so I did a full Ironman, and then we started to try to have a family, and I had my daughter, and I did a half Ironman. I was actually signed up from the year before, and then I found out I was pregnant, so I deferred. And I did a half Ironman four months postpartum. And again, I did that for me. I didn't really tell anybody. Not many people knew about it. Um, and man, that was hard. Like I remember a Saturday morning, like I just like burst into tears. And I think it was all the hormones. And, you know, my daughter was like eight weeks old. And I was about to go out for like a three-hour bike ride. And uh, and I just stayed home and it was fine. And I just completed the thing. But um, I did that for myself. So I think transitioning to doing stuff for other people um, and, and really showing up for other people, I think it does take a, a different level of courage. Hmm. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Well, and I, I think like what I, what I hope is that people hear you and, and are inspired by it. Cause like, yeah, you, you also mentioned, like you mentioned on the front end and this, I want to transition this, the rest of the podcast to this other, this other topic. Um, uh, there's, there's an element of balance that like, I know you have the value of buying back your time of not having your time be equated to how you make money. Um, but you mentioned like when you're a real estate investor, oh, sorry, real estate agent, you were first one in, last yeah. one out, you work seven days a week. Do you still have that mentality? Do you still have that hustle? Is it, is it kind of like a similar approach right now? I, I do still have that hustle, but I'm learning and I'm, I'm forced to be a bit more intentional about it. Um, so me being in the office 12 hours a day, could I have shortened that up? You know, work expands to the time allowed, right? But, um, you know, I think that's what I needed to do at that moment. And now I'm, I, the reason I transitioned back into real estate investing is because it's a lot easier on my time. Like I have six projects under renovation currently, and I'm working a fraction of what I was working as a top producing agent. So, um, that was my choice because I wanted to be available for my daughter. Um, but I don't know that there's a lot of balance. Like, I don't even like to say work-life balance. I do try to approach it from a place of harmony because I, I typically spend more hours working and I have a lot of focus when I'm working and I might have shorter time with my daughter, but her, she is my priority, right? So I have to schedule my day around her and, and what I'm doing. But unfortunately, I still have to spend more time, um, you know, working to create that life for us. So, so I try to focus on harmony. Hmm. What, what would you say to other moms that are in a similar season? Like I'm not like there's, there's mothers of preschoolers, which is a whole other thing, right? Cause that preschool season is so, is so intensive. But what would you say to like, I can imagine there's a lot of moms that are saying like, man, I would love to do something. And most of them say, I want to make 500 bucks a month or yeah. make a thousand dollars a month. I just want to contribute. I want to do my side hustle. I want to, I want to, I want to start saving and building life for my, you know, I, I have this new inspiration in my life that I want to build for. It's not just for myself. It's for someone else. 
Um, and you're over here, you're teaching like wealth building, which is like not even just like, let me increase our budget a little bit, but let's invest in the rest of our future and my kid's future with assets. What, what, would, what do you like, do, should more women look into this? Should more moms look into this and educate themselves on the real estate market as a potential avenue to, to, to build the future yes, for their families? Yes, 100%. Um, I think, so for me growing up, my mom chose to be a stay-at-home mom. However, I often heard growing up and, and even still now about things that she never was able to accomplish. Um, and I don't want that for myself and I don't want that for my daughter. Now, there are women who choose to be a stay-at-home mom and those are years that she she wants to have with her kids and not to be their full-time job and that's great, it's not for me. Um, I also want to create a different life, a life of abundance and I don't want to have you know, I don't want to tell my daughter we can't afford something. I want to have conversations about how can we, right? Like, how can we buy this? How can we do these things? Um, mm. So with real estate investing, now there is, again, there's a, a bit of a, not a bit, there is financial risk up front. There's some strategies, some more education, um, you know, but on your time and then really what it's going to exponentially do for you is huge. You know, I have a friend of mine and he got into real estate investing. He worked a W-2 job as an engineer. And this is a dad, but I think this obviously applies to, to a mom or a parent. And he said, I just want four properties. I want one for each yeah. one of my kids. And when they graduate from college, they're going to have this rental property. And he has, I think he has like 70 doors now. So he, you know, he kind of did what I do. But, um, you know, but that's where he started. <laughs> so I think for women and I think for moms... It's not a full-time gig. So there is a lot of flexibility um, that we need as mothers. Um, but I think what it can do for you and your kids and your confidence is huge. I have another girlfriend of mine, and she's a single mom. She works a W-2 job, but she has six rental properties. She's building it a little bit slower. But her goal is to build that financial freedom for her and her, her son. So, And she's got great investment accounts, retirement accounts, and all this. But you know, that's her wealth building for her and her kid. So I think mom should look into it. And I don't think they should think that they need to do it in a 40 hour a week. You know, it's not a 40 hour a week job or it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Do you think, does it, well, but how much hustle is required on the front end? So like the education piece, the initial research, right? I'm sure like if someone, you know, were to join your course, they could get educated on it, on a lot of these things much faster because it's beneficial to hear from someone that's accomplished it, right? And then you learn the lessons, you learn from mistakes, and then you get all the assets and the SOPs and stuff that, that allow you to get it faster. But like how much hustle is required on the front end? And I'm, I'm asking both, you know, on behalf of women probably wanting to get started, moms wanting to get started, and also dads that are, that are like, Hey, I've, I have limited capital, but I, I, I want to learn more about this. And everyone I talk to says buy one property a year and you're going to be a millionaire. Right. And, and so I'm like, yep, that sounds pretty awesome. I just have no idea where to go because the Burr method sounds cool. All these methods sound cool. Flipping sounds cool. Wholesale sounds cool. Like all these, there's so many different avenues. Like how, how much hustle do I need to do to, to get my foot? So I think specifically to hustle, I mean, I think it's just 
it is a, a certain level of hustle, but it's being a little bit strategic. So it's going back to understanding what you want. Do you want a property a year? Do you just want one? Like, obviously, that's a really great place to start. And then it's just looking at everything that you have available to you. And if you have retirement accounts or family money or friends and family or people that you know who are investing in real estate, like start with your network and see what you can do. Look at your own financial resources. And if you have none of those, then the hustle is a little bit harder. But that's okay because it's going to taste a little bit better and it's going to get easier. Like if you can do one deal and you can figure out how to raise the money and pull it together, whether you're maxing out your credit cards, you're borrowing from your you know, buddy's retirement account or however you're going to put it together. When you do that first one, you will get through that little bit of hustle. Um, it does get easier because you've proof of concept for yourself, but proof of concept for other investors. I have a group of private money lenders who will work, they'll work with you as long as you have done one deal. So like hustle through the first deal, you know, and it might be hard and maybe the numbers aren't great and maybe you didn't make 100K or buy the best rental property ever. Maybe you'll sell it in 10 years, but you did one. Um, and, and it's just getting creative with the resources that you have. I also think that people don't know how much money is available. There's so much money out there. And people, people with money, they want their money to work for them. So, so that's the direction you need to go. And you're not going to go and talk to Bank of America about it, but you can talk to, you know, asset-backed lenders who are going to lend investors money. That's what they do. And there's a lot of them out there who will do 100% financing on deals as long as the numbers make sense. So there's a lot of there's a lot of resources available. If you've made a decision that this is what you want, then you just need to start going down that road and asking questions of how can I? That's that's what's going to help you get through it. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's such a, that's such a valuable approach. And I think if there's a nugget to pull from it, I hope people pull that because uh, what Stephanie's saying is there's not only is there training and resources available for someone that doesn't have any education that wants to get it faster. But if you do hustle and you do have that grind and you're willing to commit to just doing one, and I think like this applies to any business, but let's just hone in on real estate for a second. Like getting your first, getting your first property, just doing one, that is not crazy. It's not crazy. I know people that like even say like, man, I want to buy a house for myself. How can I even think about getting a house as a rental property? It's like, no, create a path, create a vision for just doing one, educating that process. And then as you go, you'll have access to more pools of knowledge, more pools of money, more pools of people to help you get to that next step. And I think that's part of it. That crucial thing is if you're siloed by yourself, you're never going to take an action and you're never going to do anything like no one's going to hold you accountable to your own goals, right? Like you might have your own goals, you might have your own vision, but no one's going to hold you accountable to them. So like there's an element of community that's required. And if that community can come with experts and if that community can come with, with, uh, yeah, with tactical knowledge that helps you get there faster. I think it's just a no-brainer for a way to do it the way you want to do it um, and to help you reach your, you know, like it's more than just having a big fat bank account, as you said. It's it's about achieving the intangible goals that, that you're setting for yourself and the impact that you want to have on your community, your family, and your future. So, um, Stephanie, thanks for laying this out. Um, where can people follow you? How can people uh, how can people connect with you? Sure. So the best place to find me is going to be on Instagram. So you can find me on there and send me a DM, and I will answer. And uh, flippinempire.com is where you can find more information about our programs and what we're up to. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you heard something that was valuable to you, please send this to that person. Please send this to a person that would benefit from hearing this conversation too because um, that's what we do this for, um, for that one person that needs to hear this. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Can't slow us down.